right, and welcome to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. For an end-of-the-week review, Joe finally got back and doing some podcasts. Uh, I'm joined today um, as, I'm going to say as always, this is going to be a permanent fix, Joe, by Mark, my buddy Mark. Say hi, Mark. Boom, I'm in as always now. This is awesome. It's a big promotion. There's no pay or insurance. But, it's a lateral uh, move. <laughs> mm, I bought you a hat. Oh, what, really? Because I am going yeah. bald. I, I could use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my polite way of, of just reinforcing. Of being like, Mark, you sorry, need bro. to do something about your head. It's, <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> there we go. We got that. It's happening to me, too, actually. I think that Instagram picture of both of us at the comedy store yeah um that that really highlighted it for me i'm like man we are going bold yeah i mean i feel that and the fact that i have no hair on top of my head that highlights it for me too that highlights it even more yeah yeah Yeah, every time i look the science of light and reflection and it's funny because like two years ago i looked in the mirror and i was like I think I have about two years left of this this head of hair before I, I I'm gonna have to do something about it and and here we are right on track. There we go. It creeps I'm, up on you, one hair at a time. You almost what, don't yeah. notice. I'm the follicular Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here, Mark. You'll get your hat shortly in the mail. Woohoo! Uh, Joe, it turns out, was not away hunting. There were rumors that he was, and he alleged that he would be. He was talking about going hunting when Jocko went, but it turns out that he went to Italy, that sneaky bitch. He ran oh. off, went to Italy, looked at the sights. He loves to do that, and um, and that's it. So so now he's back. He only got a couple podcasts in this week. Mm-hmm. It was Dr. Cornell West, legend. Yep, from Harvard. And Rico Verhoeven which um, I've been a, a big fan of for some time, and I love watching his and kickboxing would, fights. And, and would probably win in a fight with Cornell West. So. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, <laughs> hmm, you know, unless Cornell had, he could like just out-philosophize him and be like, it's you don't even need possible. to fight. The fight's internal. Okay, probably like, not. not. No, brother. No, that's not how we're going to do it. Because when you kick... What you're really doing is kicking society, and then he'll throw off, <laughs> and Rico will be like, uh, I, I, I quit. He's like, excellent. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yep. it's coming together now. Yeah. Right, so let's start off with podcast 1325, Dr. Cornell West. What a treat. This one was nice in a lot of ways because, obviously, Dr. Cornell West is such a fascinating person really to is. listen to. I love how he whispers a lot, and it... it yeah. You find yourself leaning in like yeah. there's a secret and you've got to listen harder. It's a very clever tactic, but it seems very natural when he does it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Joe even said this is one of his favorite podcasts. He's a, he's a big fan of the knowledge and wisdom of that guy. Uh, my, and I won't say it's a criticism because how dare I. But one thing I found funny is that uh- Dr. Cornell would call everyone a genius. Now, the people he was talking about oftentimes were very, very talented musicians. Mm-hmm. So maybe they are. But it, it takes a little bit away from the word genius. when you Right. If everyone's a genius, no one's a genius. A genius. I thought that was, that was funny on this one. <clears throat> they open up talking, uh, I guess, Dr. Cornell saw a picture of Richard Pryor 
that mm-hmm. Rogan had in his office and said that he'd never met him, but obviously that guy was a genius. So that was the first yep. genius reference he makes. Uh, but then Joe talks about how he opened for Pryor for five weeks at the comedy store. Could you imagine that? No shit. shit. Right. Wow. That would be, I, whew, that would be terrifying to me, to be perfectly honest. He's the, he's yeah. the greatest. He's the Muhammad Ali of, of uh, comedy. I mean, he just yeah. is. Like which, that. which was coincidentally the second genius that Cornell talked about immediately okay, well, on this podcast. I mean, he is two well. for two yeah. on that one. <laughs> He's nailed it. He's nailed it. Muhammad um, Ali was a genius. Who would be your Who would be your version of of a prior to 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 follow now? Who, uh, uh, but in the same sense of like a legend that you've always known, but also terrifying to have to follow. Dave Chappelle, mm. always. Mm. Yeah, Dave Chappelle is is to me what Richard Pryor was, you know, in the seventies and the eighties. To sure. me, at least, I think David. I think David Chappelle. He's not just because you and I have talked about this a million times. When it comes to comedy, there's there's different there's different styles. There's your good writers. There's your good performers. There are those who are both, um, and then there are people that do you know, socio-political comedy. They, some do storytelling comedy. Some do, you know, breakdown comedy. Dave Chappelle is all of those. He's D. He's all of the above. He can do all of it because he'll do socio-political comedy and then he'll just do stupid story shit about his son, like smoking weed, and then he'll get really serious. And the dude is so well-read. I mean, that dude is so well-read. He will come out with some knowledge at the end of one of his specials. He will drop on you and you're like, where the fuck did you learn that? And I mean, he's so damn intelligent. And then he can deliver a joke better than anybody in the world. I think, I mean, yeah. it's just, his voice is just kind of like how some, so some singers are just like melodic. It's like silk coming out of their mouth when they're singing. And he's like that for comedy. He can tell a joke. He can say something. I mean, we've all said, I'd watch Meryl Streep read the phone book. Dave Chappelle could read the phone book and make it funny. That's how amazing he is, to me at least. For sure. And and that's it. It leaves no energy. No energy in the room to follow. I think for me, it would be, I mean, obviously Chappelle would be phenomenal. But like a God-level person of comedy would be as if Eddie Murphy got back into stand-up and then you had to follow him. Dude, I read um I read a rumor so unnerving. I read a rumor that he's talking about it with Netflix to get back into stand up to doing some specials. That's right. And he's gotta be he's gotta start working out in the clubs. So there's a good chance we get to see him because he's gonna be in LA. Oh my god, we have to. We have to, dude. We We absolutely have to. And then we'll do a special podcast version. (laughs) Right, of course. We'll do a special edition. But that's it. So you know, Joe talked about opening for him for that long. Obviously, you know, Joe explained it was the end of of Pryor's life, so he wasn't doing great. The sound was cranked up. He was mumbling a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, it, you know, so it was in a way he had to follow. Not that the room had been killed and the energy had gone, but it was like almost a little depressing. Oh but, yeah, you know, it made Joe stronger. Mitzi put him up there, and Mitzi knew that hey, you know, Joe's willing to always go in the deep end, and that's what's made him good. It's what he needs. Yeah, you have to do I it. Mean, he, He's bold in that sense, and and that's made him strong. But ugh, I, imagine that I, five weeks. It would be so sad. Dude, I love how Joe yeah. is so open about 
shit that scares him. I think it's really cool because he's a tough guy. You know what I mean? The fact that he opens up about that stuff is really, it's really badass actually. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what's interesting about it and what at least I didn't notice before I started listening to so many of his podcasts is that you do the, it actually makes you tougher to be able to be honest with yourself. Like being that honest and like saying it with strength, like I, that scared me and I did it. Yeah. Like, oh, that's how you can get stronger. It's not just this stiff upper lip and you either always had to be strong or you always had to be confident or you're nothing. There's like Mm -hmm. a learning process that's very real and very valuable and rarely talked about. Well, it's true because confidence is learned and earned. False confidence is arrogance and we all know that's bullshit. You know what I mean? And the only way you can really get confident with something is you do it if you face it. If I've learned anything in my 30 plus years on this planet, um, it's that, uh, yeah, you have, you earn your own confidence by facing shit like that. But I think it's really cool how open he is about it because he's got a wide audience. And I think, I think that's important. I think it's important for masculinity for people to hear this shit and, and go, yeah, it's okay to talk about the shit I'm afraid of. Like, uh, right after the earthquake, somebody came up and they were like, oh, were you scared? Were you scared? I was like, yeah, I live on the third floor. It felt like my apartment was about to slide off my building. Bet your ass I was scared. I'm not scared now. It's over. But I feel like it's important to acknowledge that, yeah, that scared me. But I'm human. We're designed to be afraid of things. Like, that's how we're alive. I think it's cool to talk about it. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying. And it's not about not. You should be afraid. People that are not afraid, it's bullshit. When I hear it, I'm like, It's complete bullshit. You can be brave. In fact, I I want you to be. Af- I will respect you more if you're very afraid, but you are still brave. You still yeah. kept it together. You didn't freak out, and you made it work. When I hear people that are like, "I'm the, I have no fear," and you know, you know people like that, and yep. some people in particular, it's it's not. <laughs> we do, like, and then we're like, afraid hey. because you even said it. The fact yeah. that you even just randomly said this is because you're afraid of something. I love it, it when they're doesn't like, doesn't make any sense. When they're like, I have no fear. And we're like, okay, come do this open mic with us. And they're like, uh. <laughs> yeah, no chance. We, we're going to make a lot of money betting people on that. I think oh I'm about God. to win $50 gonna, this month, a week. So quit so. our day jobs. We're just going to go around places and be like, bet you won't do this open mic. <laughs> yeah. Talking to people that think they're, they have no fear while they're drinking. Be like, right. come tomorrow, 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. No way. It's like you told this one Talking guy. Talking about you- the, the vulnerability portion mm-hmm. of like that honesty yeah. i love how since dr cornell is um philosopher of course yeah. he brings up socrates right how can you not and in a sense it, like he brings up jesus too like in a sense i guess jesus yep. is a philosopher of, of types but mm-hmm. he says socrates never cried never he there was there was not a there was not a, a an account of him doing that and he and and he makes the point that like he loved you know, he loved wisdom, but mm-hmm. he doesn't love people. Because if you don't cry, you don't love people. Mm. I had never thought of that in that sense. It's very strange, but it's like, wow, what does that mean? Where he, you know, where in contrast, he said Jesus never laughed. There's no laughter. Jesus cried a lot, though, you know, mm. because that that's different. It's different in that sense. Because That's true. Jesus is loving people, and he's he can get angry, and he can get sad, but the comedy yeah. is is something else. 
Exactly. Uh, so is Socrates a sociopath? What is he saying? Could have been. You know, I, I, I know he says that, but I remember vividly in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Socrates get, becoming overcome with emotion. So Cornell may have oh, to check himself. That's a, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, it was a <laughs> very every, emotional scene in that. We know that that movie is factually accurate. <laughs> well, technically, since it's time travel and they just changed the past, it is. <laughs> can you believe right. they're making a third one i can't there, like I'm real thrilled. rumors and he's i'm just like what oh what? no they're shooting it they're shooting it right now they've been shooting for like a month oh dude if they could pull that off is anyone gonna take that shit seriously like it would have to what would I will. what would it take for you to go watch it what uh, would you have to see in a trailer for you to be like yep i'm gonna fork out probably 30 bucks and two hours of my time and watch these old guys do this. Very little. I will be first in line to go see that movie. Bill and, Ted, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is one of my absolute favorite films. Um, I do love him. I do. I just I can't it. imagine bringing myself to go watch it. I, you know, I don't go to the movies much, though. It takes a lot for me. No. I, it takes a lot for me, too. Because you're right. It's like a $30 venture. Just to, Especially if you're going to go to, like... Um, you know, one of the more bougie, expensive theaters that just costs you an arm and a leg. And it's like, you know, and that's the unfortunate thing for those smaller films is like, you just don't want to go spend $30 to see a smaller film. You're like, it'll be on HBO or Netflix in three months, six months, something like that. It drives me crazy. But, yeah. you know, I don't want to drop that much money to go see a smaller film. But I will drop it for Bill and Ted because that shit okay. is going to be bomb. <laughs> yeah get a high as you have to be very stoned when you watch that too i can't wait i can't it's wait great well it's not going to be the same without colin though is it no it won't it really won't they how are they gonna i wonder how they're gonna work that in i don't know they, they'll figure out a way they're smart they are smart they it's the it. original it's the original writers i mean everybody 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 from the original movies that are still alive i think are coming back so that's great yeah, yeah, I think that is really, great. They bring up really Colin cool. too on this podcast, just about like how prolific he was with his writing, like a new special every yeah. year, all the way up until he died, and still performing. Yeah, um, and and they make a good point. Like the the he said that the the arts are really what bring us together. You know, we it's have true. all these things to fight over, but there's a very important thing with this like creative endeavor that we have, and and in a way. It's almost like with YouTube and a lot of people doing their making their own channels and like what we're doing with podcasting and also when we do our comedy. In a sense, it's like, do you feel like more people are, you know, things are getting automated, right? Other stuff's getting yeah. easier. People are working for themselves. They're, they're, it's almost like there's more creative endeavors. Maybe this is like a beautiful thing of the evolution of people. Like we just all start to become very creative. I think it is. I, 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 how uh, I keep, I feel like there has been a rash of people being like wanting to pursue their art and creativity and their imaginations more. I mean, how many times did, have we heard from our parents and others, people's parents like, Oh God, please don't go into the arts, get a real job, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like there's, you know, as, as our society has, 
I don't want to say matured, but evolved. There's a lot of people that are like, you know what? I don't want to just slave away and be miserable at some desk job or whatever when I feel like I at least need to see this through. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot going on in the world, and a lot of people have a lot of things to say, and art is a great way to express that. So I think it's great. I think it's great. That yeah, we're and it's that. definitely one of those types of jobs that's like, it doesn't feel like work, or at least you have a really good opportunity to position exactly. yourself to where it does. And it doesn't, don't get me wrong, it doesn't, whenever I do my podcasting, <clears throat> or you know, as we get ready to do any comedy shows at any level, really, it takes up your mind. And it's not always a good feeling. Like sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you're not feeling organized. Sometimes you've got a bunch of podcasts you've got to organize and edit. And I mean, it's work. But it's, it's like work. work for you, and it's not work for some asshole. And it's mm-hmm. and it, whatever it's worth to you, it's worth that amount. You know, you ever do work and you're it's like, true. God, I only get ten bucks for this. But if I do anything, right. even comedy, and I like, let's say, I only get five dollars for a show, it's happened. I'll be like, that's fucking sure. my five dollars. You know my what I mean? It's like yeah. it, it, it just it, in your mind, it has a better value structure i look at my brothers for example so um one of them is like a a crane operator drives a big crane operator Mm -hmm. in england another one does like plastering work mostly but another brother of mine is a tattoo artist in barcelona and that is a very artistic creative endeavor and he career wise is the happiest in that sense and yeah. th- there's definitely a pattern there. Like, you just are going to have more passion. Now, people could say, well, not everyone can do that. No. Well, but I think a lot of people can, and you definitely won't be able to do it if you don't focus and practice and slowly get better and put yourself out mm-hmm. there and gamble it all and and go in that direction. Well, but- even, as a, even as a hobby, I think. I mean, artistic expression is so great. So even as a hobby, if you like to draw, draw a little bit every day. If you like design, you know, watch HGTV, watch one episode of Fixer Upper or something like that. I, I mean, I'm fascinated with architecture and interior design. I'm never going to be any of those things, but I like learning about it. And it's fun to just kind of get tips and tricks, you know, and people, you know, people take painting classes, cooking classes. I mean, culinary arts are amazing. There's so many different arts that you don't have to devote your whole life to it to still enjoy these things and have purpose. And I think that's, I think that's something that people are starting to kind of really wise up to as well. Like, Oh, I can go take a little painting class and do this on the weekends or do it at night. Because there's nothing quite like the feeling of accomplishment when you have a project. That's the best. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing oh, quite sure. like finishing. Whether, you know, I've made films in the past and when you're locked on that and you're like, wow, I did that. That's fun. I took something from nothing. It was simply an idea and now it exists as this thing. And same with painting or drawing, music, design, uh, cooking anything the idea of just something coming from nothing pouring what you know what you have in yourself pouring that into that art into that project and then it's being finished and it might be shit but you know what you did something and that's fucking cool and that that feels good that's good for the right. soul man it's really good for the soul and it probably will be shit at first and that's okay too always is it. it's okay you know you're doing it for probably you is shit 
You're doing it for you. You get better. But you hit the nail on the head with that. You you start as a hobby. I think that's the key. Yeah. If you jump into it saying, this is going to be my new job, my new business, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Slow it down. Exactly. Slow it down. You don't know how to do this at all. Just do a little bit of this and stick with your whatever job that you hate right now and slowly get better at the things that you do, that you Mm -hmm. want to do. Keep working at it. Find the time and and slowly get there. Yeah. Well, also... It's like the 10 minute a day thing when people are like I have no time at all. I never used to have a lot of time. So that's why when I started this podcast, it was just me speaking and I would do about 10, 15 minutes. Sure. But I would do it a lot. I would do it four or five times a, a week. Now, it's not the ideal setup. You want this long form conversation back and forth, hopefully with somebody smarter than you. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> it's, it's one of those like that. That is better to listen to. Someone's on a drive. I always got those messages that, you know, I should go longer and have more guests. I appreciated that and thank you. And I knew it. I just didn't have the time. But I I was yeah. slowly getting better at it. And now we're in a space where I have the space and you do too, the where we can chat for longer and expand on it and, you know, work into that. And shit, if I can do it with this podcast, knowing not, I didn't even know how to turn my fucking computer on a year ago. <laughs> I did, I swear to God. I was like, I had it for six months. It just sat in the corner of my bedroom. And I'm like, I don't think I know oh how to use God. this at it's all. Like, it's a fucking scene from Zoolander. <laughs> it's in the computer <laughs> and you're just banging it like a monkey. <laughs> so true. I hated it. Just the idea that I would be editing anything and change. But, you know, just a little bit at a time. I just kind of desensitized my own phobia. It was kind of a phobia, too. So ridiculous. Sure. And I then that's it. it. And then you, you start doing something. And it's well, like, it's like um, by no means am I good at it, but it's a lot better than my first day of trying. <laughs> right. You're only going to get better. I mean, there's the whole thing, uh, you know, old coach of mine always used to say, stand, um, you know, get on a tennis court, stand at the end, um, and you can have any of the tennis greats, you know, Djokovic, Vatterer, Serena, because they're going to serve it to you. If they serve a thousand, you'll eventually hit one. It might not be pretty, might might not be good, but you will eventually get to hit one back. Eventually, because if you see it enough, you will adapt, you will acclimate, and you will get better at this. He's like, you just got to keep seeing it. Same with baseball or anything like that. It's it's like any other art. Just got to work on it enough. What do they say? It takes 10,000 hours to become uh, an expert at anything. Anything? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah it's something. It's hard so, to know what the catalyst is, though, and what is the thing. I think people struggle with finding out what it is they actually like. You I know? agree. I think they in know so they... many ways. I think it's like just pick something you kind of like. It's better than having nothing. Yeah, I agree. You know, if you're a little bit into something, then just start focusing on it. I. What's nice is there's just so many spaces now for something. You know, YouTube exactly. is the best example. Look on there. There oh, are people that man. specialize in, I don't know, like collecting rocks. Or no, mushrooms. They After yeah. it rains, they like to go pick mushrooms. And they film it and they and show they it, it and they have a following. And this is like a thing they do. And it's like, what? Where was that space before? Exactly. Like you, you, it's limitless. But at least did, they went out and did it, even though it's yeah. ridiculous. Did you ever read no that story to the um, about... This woman, uh, she was a single mom. She 
built her own house. She she and her children learned how to do it on YouTube from tutorials, and they built their own house. It's I pretty, did hear about that. It's pretty amazing. I read I read up on that a lot. I was like, that's, that's fascinating. That's a really yeah. cool space. I go to YouTube to find figure out shit all the time. It was time. a real shame when their house collapsed on them. And Yeah, and, I mean, and, uh, yes, they did die. It, they didn't do a great job. <laughs> no, <together>. apparently <laughs> no, they, they live. They're fine. They're fine. They're, they're fine. They're, they're, they're out there. They're kicking. They're doing their thing in, uh, in uh, L.A. No. It sounded like <laughs> an impossible task. I mean, it's not just a great accomplishment, but I mean... Uh, is it? It must be cheaper, obviously. Oh, it's got to be. All the stages and steps, and you need planning permission, and like, yeah, how, where are they living when it happened, and how are you getting the money for each of the pieces? Was it a loan? Like, how I many don't... fucking mistakes do you make pouring concrete the first time? God, I, just, I know. It almost didn't make any sense. I, obviously, I'm being a bit negative with it, but I was when I read that, I was like, it doesn't seem like a thing. Well, it's pretty, uh, yeah. I mean, just the foundation alone. Laying foundation, it's like, you can't screw that up. It's like your brother is a tattoo artist. There's no returns. He can't, he has to be good because he can't screw that up because that shit's forever. Yeah, there's no eraser. Yeah, no eraser. It's the same with, like, you can't fuck that up. I guess she learned on YouTube. I mean, I'm sure there's step-by-step instructions on how to lay foundation, on how to, you know. I mean, I was curious one day, I got on YouTube, found out how to put up drywall. I was like, wow, that's that's actually not nearly as complicated as I thought it was. There really are good videos on that. I've done some things that were pretty awesome Mm -hmm. uh, because of YouTube as well. Working on vehicles is really good. <clears throat> yeah um, so many specific things they're like this is how to pull this and this is this and what's really nice is they throw in my motorcycle wasn't working recently uh part of the reason i didn't get to the that wednesday show last week but i got it all cleaned out but while looking on youtube videos it was like oh you want to use a a guitar string for cleaning out the tiny little holes in the carburetor that get damaged because the inner coating is brass and that's a soft metal so if you use a metal that's harder than that it will damage you know scratch up there and i mean these are the these are really good bits of information i mean oftentimes in the past when you would like okay what what else would you have done in the 80s you go buy one of those motorcycle car books that were Uh not terrible they were so difficult to follow unless you were a mechanic and it wouldn't tell you things like that they were like clean out the hole they don't tell you how or right. what to use, or the other bits. I mean, there just wasn't the space for it. There wasn't the pages. Right. It was so lucky to have that knowledge. It's wonderful to have that knowledge. And then, yeah. and then, but, the, but and then, then the sometimes... problem is, you get real educated people like Dr. Cornell that yeah. have facts that went to amazing schools like Princeton and Harvard and have mm-hmm. learned so much information. And then you get other people that are actually mistaking YouTube as like the truth behind things right so yeah you get great videos to learn about drywall and stuff but don't tell me you've done research into physics because no exactly youtube yeah there's also videos that tell you that we have a subterranean lizard like race (laughs) waiting to take over the earth and shit when we die out so you know you take the good you take the bad that's it they love that they're so into it those people scare the shit (laughs) out of me they do they are. Hey, you know what? Good for you. Be be yeah. terrified of it. If it it doesn't matter, even if it's true, like whatever, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> I wonder what the my... appeal is. 
Is it just that they love the idea that they know something that no one else does? I think so. Or that they see a truth that no one else sees. Right. They're, they're I mean, so smart that they I mean, the I only think ones you, that are seeing it. You see that uh, across the world. And I mean, in any religion, everybody always has kind of this feeling. It's like, I know something you don't. I have a perspective that you don't. That makes me interesting. That makes me unique. And all of them, all of them. I mean, yeah. any. I mean, you and I are in Los Angeles. We spend a lot of time in Santa Monica. How many people do we see with just like a self help book? And they're like, "This is it. This changes everything." Once you read it, like my mom does that. My mom will get on some kick. She'll she'll read about like turmeric. Apparently, turmeric will make you immortal. And I'm like, I don't think turmeric makes you. No, I read it. It makes perfect sense, Mark. Now that <laughs> you see it, when you finally hear it, you're like, "Oh, it all makes sense." Like turmeric is the missing piece of like a universal happiness (laughs) it's so interesting too doesn't matter what you stuff in your system like obviously there are unhealthy ways of living and super healthy but there's so many other factors that are just these variables that are random that it's like you have no idea you could be the healthiest person in the world get hit by a car if you want to increase your chance of living the longest yeah be healthy eat salads and things but it's not like somebody will live twice as long is an unhealthy no. person. Like it's still within plus or minus five, ten years. And yeah, it's like, okay, you get ten more years of being super old because you spent 70 years only eating salads and super healthy shit. Now, look, I'm not trying to downplay being healthy, okay? No, of but course not. But it's a lot of fucking work for maybe just a little bit of payoff. I don't know. It I'm not is. a doctor. Don't listen to me. But I'm like, uh, hold on a second. I had a friend who drink more and how much more. Right. I had a friend whose grandpa had like never touched anything um, his like whole life. And he turned to 80 and he literally went over to his house and his grandmother was like beside herself. She's like and he's like, well, grandma, what's going on? She goes, your grandfather is outside. He is smoking and he is drinking. And He runs out and he's like, grandpa, what are you doing? And he was like, I didn't do this shit. For 60 years, so I can get to this place. Well, I'm here now, and it sucks, so I'm going to start drinking and smoking. I That's thought that was the hilarious. funniest fucking thing I'd ever heard. Why, the, why not? <laughs> it's true. I don't it's like, know. Oh, well, I'm why here, not? and it sucks. I mean, this is an adventure, right? So it is. So try a bit of all of it within reason. Hey, man, it's the journey. It's the journey, dude. Yeah. If his ne- if his knees are killing him and his back is hurting anyway, and now he's got some other ailment, and he's like, I fucking ate so many carrots for this. Right. I could have been eating in and out Burger the whole fucking time. The whole fucking time. Right. Uh, whatever makes you happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't well, eat in and out Burger every day, guys. You'll feel like shit. <laughs> don't. Eat it a lot of days, though. It's so good. So good. Yeah. One of the big points, other than like a lot of the music that Dr. Cornell brought up, which it was beautiful stuff, mm-hmm. um, and, and really check out a lot of the bands. Honey Honey is one they talked about um, with Gary Clark Jr. Honey Honey, I saw in Albuquerque. They're fantastic. One of Joe's um, favorite bands, and uh, they they really are a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. but then they moved on to they moved on to like th- this new immigration issue. And like how the people are being treated and those sorts of yeah. things. Now, I am a first generation immigrant. I've yep. been in the US for like 24 years, long time. I'm a citizen now, but yep. it wasn't always easy. You know, I had been asked to leave before 
And I did politely, but I was able to come back on a visa. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's stressful. It's very hard. It's something that people that don't immigrate in understand. And it's scary. So, of course, I I feel very sensitive to, to, uh, you know, Hispanic immigrants and people struggling to to sort themselves out. And I know they're not all bad. They're not all criminals. And when I see them in these cages and these guys were talking about it, I mean, it's, it is a kind of weird, inhumane thing, and it and it makes me sad because I think America is better than that. Just it should, uh, it, like it should, like we. I think we set a lot of examples for the world, some, and uh, we do a good job a lot of times. Yeah, but that's not us doing a very good job at the moment. Sometimes I wonder if we're better than that. Sometimes when when people come out and they say this isn't who we are, I'm like, I feel like. Is. I feel like maybe it is who we are. I just happen to hate, fucking hate it. Um, yeah, kids in cages. That's well, and I want to go back to a point you made earlier. And I feel like this is never discussed. Immigrating is very difficult and incredibly costly. It's not like just going to the library. And I feel like people have uh, Americans because I'm I'm born here. I'm natural, you know, um, natural born citizen. But I have so many friends who are immigrants and and did it, you know, quote unquote, the right way. Um, but um, they were talked about how incredibly difficult it was, how costly it was. That you know, I think a friend of mine spent something around fifty thousand dollars to yep, do this, you can. and you she can, was, for sure. and she lived here. She uh, immigrated from. Uh, Lebanon, when she was five, she had no choice. She just came, she came over with her family and wanted to end up being a citizen. And she had her green card, but it was a fucking bureaucratic nightmare. So the and so when people talk about immigration, doing things the right way, some of these people are fleeing horrid conditions. Uh, you know, whether it's genocide, whether it's it might as well be economic genocide because you have such unrest, like in Honduras. Um, they don't have. They don't have that time. They don't have the money. They don't have the inclination to go spend that much time and do that. Go through that much red tape. It's so fucking difficult, and they're just trying to get a better life. I don't know. I loathe the scapegoating of immigrants. I just well, I, but it it is that it's hard, and they are people just like people you, because I am beings. one of them. And it was yeah. just like that. It was really hard and stressful. And sometimes they would come back to me and they would be like, "You filled these forms out wrong," and I'm like, yeah. "Wait a second. I'm English." I can read English. I clearly understand this. I have a degree, like a difficult one, and mm-hmm. I can follow forms, and I was very careful. But that question is kind of ambiguous, so I had to fill it out this way. And they were like, I'm sorry, we had to reject this whole package. Please send it in again. This puts your documentation back four to six months. And then I'm thinking, yeah. hold on yeah. a second. What happens if you're not educated, right, because you came from a poor right. town that was like mm-hmm. war-torn, and now you're a victim of that, and you don't speak English as your first language, if I was going to miss it, how the fuck are they going to get those forms? And then I realized, yeah. oh, this is kind of just a bit of a way of really slowing paperwork down. If they're like, uh, you know, and I don't want to talk conspiracy theories, and I'm not trying to give the, you know, the INS too much shit, because I'm sure they got a lot of work to do. But, you know, you could easily imagine that they're like, okay, well, we need to, we've got too many forms at the moment. So definitely check out 
section 5, question 4B, 12A, and 9C, which are generally set up to be pretty ambiguous and they're a pretty easy way of being able to deny a lot of forms. Like, mm-hmm. why the fuck not? That's not out of the realm of possibility for me. Right. You know, and that's for, like you said, people doing it the right way. So you've got the wrong way on the other end where they're just desperate and they're coming they're over. They're desperate. And then what? We're sticking them in cages? It's we're putting them like. in. We're Fucking putting cages, human beings bro. in cages. Who, by they're, the way, they're, didn't commit. Well, I guess they committed a crime, but not really. They're, it, they're not jail. They haven't they, had a jury. They haven't been. They haven't had time in court. They haven't been convicted of anything. They just you know, get put in there. They're, uh, uh, by the way, illegal entry is a misdemeanor, so they're being held without bond, um, in cages, inhumane cages. By the way, if we saw that on the news in another country. We would go, we, well, first of all, our American arrogance would go, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's what happens there. But we'd also be horrified. <laughs> right. We, we'd spend that, we'd throw 10 minutes of outrage at that. I mean, not that there aren't plenty of people outraged by what's happening. I'm outright, I'm outraged. But I'm almost like, with the litany of shit that goes on to every day, I'm almost outraged out. And I hate that. I hate that I can, like, spend 10 minutes a day not outraged by the horrors that are that these people are going through. But at the same time, there's nothing I can do. I, I vote. Yeah. You know, I give money to candidates I like that I feel like will really do change. Um, but it's fucking horrible. It's fucking horrible. Yeah, remember- not cool. Not cool. And to be honest, here's the thing. It's easy to blame it just on one person, like the president, because that's his kind of narrative. But, sure. you know, I was, in a sense, almost deported under Clinton. So oh, these yeah. guys are... These guys are going after people all the time, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and when it's, it comes to really what's happening, I, I don't think that – I think it's been pretty rough for immigrants for a, a long time. I don't think it's ever time. been pretty I mean, easy to get in. And it definitely got harder after 9-11. And, very. and it's it's just – like they're just people. And that's what that's what Dr. Cornell West was talking about. He's just, He wanted to make that point. I think it's an important factor to think about, especially if you find yourself not really giving a shit about it. Fine. I'm not telling you to give a shit about anything. Do what you want. You know, it's totally up to you. Do what you want. But just just think for a second. Oh, imagine if that was me. Because Joe does that a lot. Joe Rogan is good at reflecting like that. And he's like, man, imagine if that was me and my kids. Yeah. Imagine imagine if your child was ripped out of your ripped out of your arms and you have you fled you know, your country for whatever reason, you get to what it, we tout is the greatest country on earth. You never, you can never go five seconds without a politician jerking off to America. And if you're not jerking off to America, then you obviously don't appreciate where you are and you have to go back where you quote unquote came yeah. from. Because um, America is pretty great. So I understand why they say that. It is. I mean, I like it. I'm not going to lie. I appreciate Dude, you it. live here. It's fucking uh, yeah. good. Try living uh, some other places. I've done it. This totally. is a fucking great country. But then we throw these people in cages. Yeah, that's not great. They are, you know, they're coming here because we are, because of what is afforded. Because you can walk down a street a lot of times and not be worried that somebody's going to gun you down or anything. I mean, these are wonderful first world, this is a wonderful first world country that we often take for granted. And they're, they are pursuing that and we take their kids from them and they don't know if they're ever going to see them again. And yeah. by the way, those kids, those kids are ruined for life. They're, they're, oh, they're going to be angry. 
It's oh like yeah, they're gonna be terrorists, angry. but they're it's done. Not a good way. Look, maybe maybe it's just an impossible fucking situation, but it's it's something we should talk about. They shouldn't hide from it. If this is the only way to do it, then we should all know about it, and hopefully, then at least we can all be accountable. Then it's not yeah. like we don't know. It's like we gotta pay attention and be like, okay, this looks fucked up. All right, we can't find another way. Maybe let's work on it because it doesn't seem great. It's true. Ah, oh, it's enough of that. It's stressing me out. It's sad. It I just know. Is sad. Let's move on to MMA Show seventy one with Rico. Frohoven. And I'm awesome. excited about this. It's a little bit more positive. We change a spin on this one. We're getting sad. I got a tear. Yeah, tear sorry. Sorry to bring you guys down. <laughs> no, we gotta talk about it though. We gotta. And it was it it was really important for Dr. Cornell West too. And since it since it's close to me and it touches things I've gone through, you know Absolutely. I I like to get into it. I, I really do. I think it's important. I but yeah, Rico right. Rico mm-hmm. is the kickboxing uh glory kickboxing champion right so if you guys are mma fans or into fighting and you haven't seen a lot of him but you like the podcast with joe as i did definitely check out some of his videos he's got a huge fight coming up and like joe said it might be the biggest kickboxing fight in the world and kickboxing is a sport that i wish it got more press i wish it was like as popular as the ufc because it's so fun to watch and it's it's incredible it's unbelievable i mean to me it's more interesting than boxing most of the time because it's more dynamic you can kick they still get tied up boring to me now rocky ruined boxing for me well the heavyweights are are getting interesting again finally and that's kind of fun that's been gone since like lennox lewis i feel like we haven't really paid attention since lennox lewis was the heavyweight champion of the world very true but the last couple of years it's opened up that's great. Yeah, because there's just been a bunch of Russian dudes for a while. Not that there's anything oh, wrong with that. Oh, that was awful. But... Yeah, the Klitschkos. They weren't doing yeah. shit. They were so boring. It was like watching people play chess. Yeah, but okay. now we've got we got guys that are just knocking people's heads off, which is what we want to see. But you get that in kickboxing all the time. Yeah, it's always happening in kickboxing. I mean, a kick to the head. Forget a punch to the head. A kick to the oh. head by a world-class kickboxer will change your ability to read. <laughs> just will and it's huge in holland right so a lot of the greats come from holland they're dutch fighters and i don't know why kickboxing is so big out there but they've just got great people and now it's you know it's just kind of perpetuating itself um that to me is is pretty fascinating and it yeah it's huge there so it has it it has the interest it just doesn't have the exposure and i think it's gonna start getting it and rico's excellent because he's a giant Right, he's like six six. He's a beast. He's like two fifty, but looks lean. He's got great endurance. It's just unbelievable, and he presses the fight too. Like he just keeps moving on you. And when he was coming up and was a bit of an underdog, but still started to you know beat people, the way that he was winning was really fascinating because you could almost see it on the other fighters' faces. They were they couldn't believe that they were getting just outworked by this fucking dude, and I love that. I, yeah, uh, dude. Anytime you see that stuff, Badahari, all these guys, they're just like getting busted up and uh, such great, great power, great energy. Oh, there yeah, is dude. actually, they, they talked about on this one, Dynamics MMA is in Santa Monica. That's where I live. Uh-huh. And Anthony Harddog is there. He's one of the best trainers in the world. Dude, I didn't even know about this gym at all. No yeah, idea. right. You were telling. Yeah, you just mentioned that before the podcast that you you'd never heard of it. 
I couldn't you know everything. It. I was like, what else do I... I obviously don't know a lot of shit, but I thought that I like at least knew what the good gyms are in my area. I, I want to go over there. What a great opportunity. People fly in from all over the world, especially from Holland, to train with this guy. So no they, they've got great trainers out there, but I mean, it really shows how good that guy is. And you can just go up there and do classes with no experience, and he's just showing you how to throw hands. Like how... Oh, and, and kicks, too. I mean... How can I not take advantage of that? I'm going to have to. Oh, you have to, dude. You, psychopath yeah. that you are, you have to. Be like, <laughs> you'll walk in there and be like, everyone here could kill me. I will not leave until I'm their equal. <laughs> yeah, until I can figure something out. I don't know. Yeah, it stops right? me. It stops me wanting to kick anybody when you when you actually start kicking. But Oh, my God, it, yeah. It's it's just It just fascinates me that, that this area in particular, in the LA area, obviously you've got Eddie Bravo's. 10th planet main school the flagship school mm-hmm. and uh it, it's just there's so many great guys and and trainers out here it so lucky so uh, i'm gonna go i'll go i'll let you guys know how it goes or i'll just get knocked out and then please do or the or you'll die and i'll have yeah. to find a new co-host <laughs> that's it and like adam got kicked in the head and can no longer speak and can no longer um, speak or read <laughs> <laughs> the podcast then just blows up. They're like, thank God that guy's gone. What was he, Australian? Mass. So I will now be doing it with uh, a Jerry Lewis impersonator. Hey, lady! <laughs> like, boom, numbers <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> so good. What, one of the more interesting things about this portion of the uh, of his podcast was, was when Rico was talking about... Like, he... he it seems like these fighters are always pretty nice and calm and they're always very introspective as well. They don't they don't just come on with a bunch of like bullshit bravado. Like he knows he can knock uh-huh. everyone in the world out. And nothing, he just nothing quite like just, that confidence, man, knowing that you Yeah, that but it was can, it, they're yeah. not showing it off. No, you don't need to. You don't need to you, you don't need to strut. There's no point. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like, like part of it. Like you have to have that in order to be these champs, maybe. Like you have to get past this point of view. It's like if you're constantly trying to make yourself sound as good as you are or more than you are, you'll never allow yourself to actually get that good. Yeah. No, it's true. That could be part of it. And they're very calm, too. They have an excellent outlet. I love how he made fun of Joe a little bit and called Joe small. Like, <laughs> you're tiny. Like, I thought that was... That was quite funny. But yeah, of course he can speak to people like that. What the hell is anyone going to say? Like, exactly. Well, no, I'm not that small. The dude's a giant. Right, exactly. He's a fucking Absolutely beast. massive dude. He's like a killer giraffe. Joe <laughs> asked if he wanted to go over to MMA. I thought that was a good question. Or yeah. if he ever would. Wasn't interested. He said no. Obviously, he specializes in, in, in kickbox- uh, kickboxing. kickboxing. He did have one MMA fight. He did take the guy down too, which is odd. But I think that highlights the fact that most fights go to the ground even if that's not what your training is like you're right. likely to stumble and it just happens um yeah most but fights he said if if an offer was big enough he'd do it and that that's just the universe baby like that's that is, money talks i mean 100 percent. the fact that conor mcgregor like switched over to boxing i thought was pretty i, I think i don't i couldn't remember that ever happening could you no but yeah. again, the money. 
all the money. Like he yeah, made money. he made over a hundred million doing that. Yeah, shit. Like I'm Flo- pretty sure Conor McGregor would have done ballet for a hundred million. But I'd let Flo- Floyd Mayweather beat the shit out of me for a hundred million, no problem. <laughs> and by that I mean I would take one punch fall because that, and I wouldn't be throwing the fight. Don't get me wrong, I would not be throwing the fight. It would just take one punch and I'd be done. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, he, give me my millions. I'm done, bitches. Connor stood no chance, but but a no. lot of people were bought into it, and I was too. I don't know what happened to my brain, but it just it just means that I really don't know anywhere as much about fighting as I thought I did. Because yeah. I was like, there might be a chance. He might have a chance. No, he never did. No. What the hell was I thinking? As soon as that fight started, I was like, oh, he's fucked. He was, oh, Floyd... Wrapped him around his pinky. He just made him. He, he's like, he just made him tire himself out. He's like, no problem. Yeah, which is kind of like a like a spying day for. Yeah, um, it really was. Yeah, but what it was six round. Connor was done. He was just like throwing his like his arms were spaghetti. Yeah, and by the tenth, it was just a mess. And then that was when I mean, uh, Mayweather just smelt blood and just went on this offensive that was just quite beautiful. I loved it. Yep. Just mm-hmm. took him right out. He didn't. He really just didn't have a chance. Yeah, but that's how it goes. And for that money, yeah, I mean the same thing. I mean, would Rico go over if Dana was like, "Listen, you've been the champion kickboxer for God knows how long. We want you now. You're a beast. You're a massive heavyweight. Heavyweights, like we were saying with boxing, are always the most exciting fights. And the heavyweight division in the UFC is not all that stacked right now. It just isn't." Right. You know, we got DC as the champ. We've got Overy. No, uh, we've got Francis Ngannou is there. I mean, there's a few other guys, but it's just, it's not that heavy. And I think that he could come in and do some real damage. And the advantage with like the wrestling portion for um, the heavyweights is they're all really heavy. So they can start yeah. leaning a lot. And if you could, if you can just somewhat stay on your feet, and maybe not get taken, you know, you, you you can kind of work around it. I think smaller wrestlers can do worse things with you because they can throw you all over the place. It's harder to do when someone weighs like 260 pounds. Yeah, for real. But he could come. If the money is there, the UFC has the money. They absolutely have the money. They're flush with it. They have That'd be interesting that to see. That'd be interesting yeah. to see. It's always well, It's always fascinating to see champs from other sports cross over. Well, that's some of the best thing. You really get to see how good they are then. Absolutely. You know, we we have karate world champions now in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Olympic wrestlers, gold medalists, which is really cool. And often yeah. they're becoming the champs as well. I mean, these guys are very good. They're so good at one particular area that if they uh-huh. can get okay at others, they can really capitalize on that one area. Yeah, they can you do know, some Ben Astrium with his wrestling, even though he got completely demolished recently in the fastest KO of all time by you in the UFC with a knee to the face. But that just also shows another thing. You can't just come in with a gold medal in wrestling and expect to beat everyone. The UFC no. is the UFC. These guys are well-rounded. They have a lot of tricks and they might know what you won't know. And they oh, will absolutely. fucking exploit you for that too. Well, as you say, as you are so fond of saying, they're killers. It's like, these They're guys are killers, killers, mate. They're killers. You, <laughs> you gotta be a killer. It's like, oh, what a nice shiny little it. medal that you had with a referee near you in your little spandex. I'm yeah, a killer. <laughs> I'll kill you. 
It's it's amazing too because it, it, Rico was talking about his diet a little bit towards the end. Yeah, and like how he eats, he has kind of like I, I don't know a chef, but like a guy that like preps his meals, he eats a lot. Obviously, big dude. And then he talks about things for recovery. You know, does a lot of massages, kind of daily. Yeah. Uh, cryo is getting into. That's um, big now, man. Yeah, saunas are big. That? Yeah, saunas. I've done cryo. Yeah, we get yeah, a discount like with my with my gym. So I only have to pay with my jujitsu gym. So we only have to pay thirty bucks to go there. Nice, nice. I like it. It's I can't really tell what it's doing, but you get in the room and it's your whole body and it just ices you down and it's like being in a, a fridge in a wind tunnel. It's really intense. Like you feel like pumped when you get out because your adrenaline's right. kind of going. And there is that thought that like fuck, this is only three minutes. But if it was ten, I would die. Die. That's weird. Fucking die. And it's like super thing. cold, right? I mean, it's like ridiculously oh, yeah. cold. It's like outer I did space it once, cold. Kinda. I did it once after I had trained jujitsu, so I was still a little sweaty. It's a yeah. warning to anyone that has not done cryo. Don't go in if you're a little bit sweaty. Oh, right? Because, you, oh, one, man. that sweat will freeze on you, you and that's yeah, really bad for you. Also, I had, well, I kind of had sweaty. It was, it was like, you know, when you. It was like my eyebrows, my eyelashes, sure. my fucking eyelids froze together in there. No shit. I, I got out it. and they were frozen. And the lady was like, hold shit. She didn't know what had happened. She was like, you okay? She was thinking there was the machine. Like something had gone <laughs> wrong. I was like, no, no, no. I just came from jujitsu. I was sweaty. But you, gotta, you definitely need to just get the room temperature before you head in there. It's too intense. That was a lesson that I learned the hard way. And I'll tell you what. My, my panic level went up real high real fast Bet that was ass. not fun yeah it was scary stuff that's not it, that, that's nothing to fuck around with man that's no, terrible don't fuck around <laughs> in there. but anyway generally i think it's good a lot of people are using it i would say for injuries and stuff it works yeah. sauna i, I prefer because it's more chilled i think sauna is is really beneficial you ever get in the sauna yeah absolutely yeah it's great do 20 go, minutes at like 180 a few times oh, a dude. week. I think I might go now. I don't know if I have time. Maybe I will. Yeah, I think I'm going to go now. We, uh, You and I have sauna. a mutual friend, um, Eddie. He, I'll go to the sauna with him every now and then. He covers up the thermostat so it gets so the steam keeps coming in because he wants it hotter and hotter. So it probably gets to more like – probably it, it gets above 180, I guarantee you. It's probably Oh, wow. Oh, I'm like – oh my, I mean it's like Florida in there. It's so yeah, fucking. Eddie's a I'm psycho, like, though. He would. I'm like, you psychopathic, because we're burning calories. Oh, we're burning <laughs> we're your We're going to die. Yeah, you <laughs> yes. don't, I don't know. I don't think hotter and hotter is, is the win. I think I it's just hot like, enough. It didn't feel like it was. It didn't feel like I enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, I think you want to keep it. I don't know. I don't know where the perfect range is, but it's... Uh, too, wait, when you're feeling dizzy, it's too hot. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was like, and there's just so much steam. It just kept going in. And they're like, you got to take a cold shower. I'm like, I don't want to. I'll freeze my ass off. Right. <laughs> so that's a steam room or a dry sauna? What are you guys using? Uh, yeah, I guess it was a steam sauna, right? Oh, the steam room. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it, the There's room. like all the, yeah. So the dry sauna is usually about 180 and there's no like fog in there. The steam room would be around 120. They, they're not as hot, but they feel hot because of the humidity. Oh, I see. I got gotcha, you. They're I gotcha. a bit cooler anyway, and sometimes that's like it's almost like claustrophobic or overwhelming because of the intensity. Oh, it can be. That, like it can be in there. I'm not, but it's good stuff. You, you should get in there as much as you can. I think it's very, very good for you. 
you know, yeah. especially after you've like been hungover or maybe you've had like a weekend of binging and just mm. treating yourself like shit. I think it's Sounds very like me. good for your body. Sounds like me right like, now. <laughs> cleaned out. I know, right? After this weekend, I think that's why I'm heading up there. Ooh, that's a good All idea. All right, buddy. I think we All covered right, it for this week, and, and, and this is going to be it moving forward. So I appreciate you guys for listening and staying with us. As always, follow us on Instagram at the Joe Rogan Experience Review. You can message us on there and get updates to the podcast, ask questions, all the rest of it, um, and suggestions and so on. Thanks yeah. for, for tuning in. We're going to try and hit these hour-long ones just a couple of times a week. Probably release them on Wednesday and Saturday, depending on uh, where Joe is with his podcast, and, and chunk some together so you can get it all in one go. I appreciate Sweet. it. Thanks as always, Mark. Cheers, guys. Later, guys. Bye.